We're going to be in Genesis chapter 9. Genesis chapter 9, verses 1 through 4 to begin. And the Bible says, Elohim blessed Noah and his sons and said to them, Be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth. The fear and terror of you will be in every living creature on the earth, every bird of the sky, every creature that crawls on the ground, and all the fish of the sea. They are placed under your authority. Every living creature will be food for you. As I gave the green plants, I have given you everything. However, you must not eat meat with its lifeblood in it. May Yahweh bless His word to our hearts today. So today we're going to begin looking at some objections that many Christians give to the dietary laws. We've talked about the dietary laws in my last three lessons, and we're going to use my three lessons this month to answer some objections, and then we'll be through, at least I'll be through with this series on the dietary laws. In spite of what Yahweh commands in Leviticus 11 and Deuteronomy 14, among other places, there are some people who believe that other parts of Scripture overturn the commandments of Yahweh. Now, right off the bat, I have a problem with that method of biblical interpretation because Yahweh gives direct commandments to His people about what they could eat if they desire and what they should not eat. To then say that something else that you read in the Bible overturns what Yahweh has commanded is a bold move to say the least. Because you are making the decision to dismiss the direct commandment of Yahweh in favor of how you understand a text that is not a commandment of Yahweh. Now, I am much more comfortable concreting a big telephone post in what Yahweh commands and then pulling everything else from there. If I read, if Brother Matthew reads, let me tell you what I do. If I read a verse elsewhere in the Bible from a prophet or an apostle, and it appears to speak something different than what Yahweh commands, then I immediately think one of two things. Either number one, I'm misreading or misunderstanding something. Because Yahweh's already given me the commandments. Or number two, there could be something lost in translation going from the Hebrew to the English or the Aramaic or Greek to the English. So if I have to shelf, if I have to put a verse on the shelf for a while, I'm going to shelf a verse that's not a direct commandment of Yahweh. I am not saying such verses are not part of the Bible. I'm not saying we should not be interested in all the verses of the Bible because we should. But I'm just saying that I am sticking with what Yahweh commands first. And any verses that seem to contradict what Yahweh commands will sit on the shelf, if I don't understand them, they will sit on the shelf as I meditate, as I study, as I research, and I pray for more understanding to see how that verse harmonizes with what Yahweh commands. Thankfully, if we spend time, if we are dedicated and spend time studying the Bible, Yahweh will reward us with the answers. There has been many times when the answer to a question that I have about a verse comes five years later when I'm working and muddy and not even thinking necessarily about a particular topic 
or I'm riding down the road and all of a sudden Yahweh through His Spirit gives me the answer that I've been meditating and praying about for five years. And I say, oh, that's how that piece to the puzzle fits. He will reward us if we diligently seek Him. He will reward us. So the question in today's sermon is this. Was Noah allowed to eat pig or pork? Among other animals. Some people believe that the dietary laws that we've been talking about only came into existence during the lifetime of Moses in the commands given in Leviticus chapter 11. And they would point to Genesis 9 verse 3 to show that Noah was told by Yahweh that he could eat any animal, every living creature that moved on the earth. Now first off, here's what it means if you take that position. If you take that position of that text then you have to say that Noah could not just eat the pig, but he could also eat dog and buzzard and mice and lizard, etc. It's all game if you take the position that the words every living creature in Genesis 9 verse 3 have no qualifications. You can't turn your nose up at any of them. They are all on the table with that particular interpretation. Some people turn their nose up when you talk to them about eating dog. Rightfully so, in my mind, because it's not a clean animal. It walks on all four paws. And Leviticus 11 says any animal that walks on its four paws is unclean for food. But the same people won't mind if you know you bring out the country ham in the cast iron pot for breakfast. And I think that they're exactly the same. I think that Pigs and dogs should be relegated to pets and not food. As you probably guessed, I do not take this position on Genesis 9 verse 3 that Noah was allowed to eat anything that didn't eat him first, I like to say. Genesis 9 verse 3 is a qualified phrase. I want to explain this to you and I want to use an example. This is why I brought the cookies for the children tonight because this is an example that I've always given my children since they were little. And the example that I would give them is this. I would tell my kids, if mama went to the store, or let's say this, this is even better. If mama baked some fresh cookies, because they're better when they're baked and they're homemade and you can smell them in the oven and all that. And I like cookies. If you say you don't like them, you're not telling the truth. (laughs) Everybody likes some kind of cookies. So if mama bakes cookies, let's say she bakes two dozen cookies and I've got my heart set on eating Some of those cookies, most of those cookies, Brother Dan. And I go into the bedroom and maybe I fall asleep and take a nap and I get up and I don't see any cookies. And I say to the children, because I'm thinking that they're going to be the culprits, but if I say to them, who ate all the cookies? And I use the word all, all the cookies, I ask my children, what cookies do you think that I'm talking about? And all of them, all five of them, as I taught them when they were young, they would say, well, you're talking about all the cookies that Mama baked. And that would be correct. When I come out of the bedroom and the cookies are gone and I say, who ate all the cookies? I'm not talking about all the cookies in Conyers. I'm not talking about all the cookies at Publix. I'm not talking about all the cookies that Sister Lisa baked at her house or Sister Alicia baked at her house. I'm talking about all the cookies qualified in the context of mama just baked two dozen cookies. Words like this in the Bible, the word all or the word every, they're used like this 
throughout Scripture. And I'll show you this right here in the same page of Genesis. Genesis 8 verse 21. Genesis 8 verse 21 says this. Follow along carefully. When Yahweh smelled the pleasing aroma, and this is talking about Noah's sacrifice. Noah, when he got off of the ark, one of the first things he did was offer up some sacrifices to Yahweh, some burnt offerings of animals to Yahweh. Yahweh said to himself, I will never again curse the ground because of man, even though man's inclination is evil from his youth, and I will never again strike down every living thing as I have done. Now what's Yahweh referencing here? Well, he's referencing the the deluge, the destructive flood that's mentioned in Genesis chapter 7 and 8. And here in chapter 8 verse 21, Yahweh speaks of striking down every living thing. He said, I will no more strike down every living thing as I have done. Now, did Yahweh strike down every living thing? Well, yes and no. And we have to believe that He struck down every living thing because He said that He did. But no if you want to interpret that without any qualifications. For example, Noah just made a sacrifice. What was he sacrificing? Animals. So Yahweh didn't strike down those animals that Noah sacrificed. And Yahweh didn't strike down Noah because he's still alive making the sacrifice. So you cannot read every living thing in Genesis 8.21 in an unqualified sense. But the text still says every living thing. So there is a sense in which every living thing was wiped out by Yahweh. How do we understand the phrase? So important. I mention it so much, but never forget what I call the 2020 rule to at least read 20 verses before and 20 verses after. More if you can, but at least 20 before and 20 after. Because we find out what this means if we read 20 before in Genesis chapter 7, verses 21 through 23. Listen to what this is. This is before Yahweh said every living thing in Genesis 8:21. Genesis 7, 21-23. All flesh perished. Creatures that crawl on the earth, birds, livestock, wildlife, and all creatures that swarm on the earth as well as mankind. Everything with the breath of the Spirit of life in its nostrils, everything on dry land died. He wiped out every living thing that was on the surface of the ground. From mankind to livestock to creatures that crawled to the birds of the sky and they were wiped off the earth. Only Noah was left and those that were with him in the ark. So we see qualifications here in previous verses to Genesis 8.21. So when we get to Genesis 8.21, Yahweh just says, I'm not going to strike down every living thing as I have done. He doesn't have to repeat every living thing on dry ground or every living thing on the surface of the ground because that was already qualified previously in Genesis 7, 21 through 23. So you know when you read Yahweh saying, I'm not going to strike down every living thing in 8 and 21, you know He's talking about every living thing that was on dry land, every living thing that was on the surface of the ground. He's excluding Noah, his family, all the animals on the ark, so forth and so on. So, Yahweh tells Noah in Genesis 9 verse 3, shortly after the sacrifice, Yahweh says, Every living creature will be food for you as I gave the green plants, I have given you everything. But if we're good Bible students and we read Genesis 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8 before we get to chapter 9, 
we read Genesis 7 verses 1 through 2, which says this, Then Yahweh said to Noah, Enter the ark, you and all your household, for I have seen that you alone are righteous before me in this generation. You are to take with you seven pairs, a male and its female, of all the clean animals, and two of the animals that are not clean, a male and its female. So, we have clean and unclean animals all the way back during the time of Moses, excuse me, of Noah, hundreds of years before Moses was ever born. And the text here in Genesis 7 just assumes that Noah knew which animals were clean and unclean. We don't have anything here in the book of Genesis where Yahweh says, all right, Noah, sit down at the desk and I'm going to teach you which animals are clean and which ones are unclean. No, the text just assumes when Yahweh commands that Noah already knows. He doesn't say, explain it to me, Yahweh. He knows and he obeys. Now that goes back to something that I spoke about when I taught about how we're not supposed to eat certain fat portions on the clean animals. What's called the the tallow, the beef tallow. Remember Genesis chapter 4 where Abel offered to Yahweh the firstling of his flock and the fat portions thereof. Cain brought of the fruit of the ground. Now Abel knew to do this. Abel knew to bring the firstborn of his flock and he also knew to offer up the fat portions thereof. How did he know? I've thought about it for many years and the best answer I think is this, is that Yahweh taught His instructions to Adam. And then Adam taught them to his children. And then those which were righteous taught them to their children. And then those which were righteous taught them to their children. And the law was given by word of mouth from parent to child up until the time of Moses when it was written down on tablets of stone and in a book that was placed beside the Ten Commandments. I think that's the best way to understand how people knew the law of Yahweh because when we read Genesis, we see that the law of Yahweh is already in place on so many levels in so many ways. We see in Genesis 4 the law of the firstborn, the law of offering up the fat portions. We see in Genesis 7 the law of the clean and the unclean animals. All of this existed before Moses, before any Israelites were ever on the scene. All of these laws existed. So when we get to Genesis 7, Noah already knows which animals are clean and he knows which ones are unclean, so he obeys Yahweh. And he takes on the ark seven pairs of the clean animals, the male and its female. So you've got 14 total of the clean. And then those that are unclean, he takes on one pair, the male and its female. And that should let us know that if Noah ate one of those pigs while it was on the ark, Pigs wouldn't exist, right? <laughs> because there would be no reproduction possibility. So he didn't. And I think that goes back. The reason for seven pairs versus one pair goes back to because there's there's other things that you do with the with the clean animals. One is the sacrifice, as we saw in Genesis eight. So I know we already know the answer to this, but I have to ask it for the sermon. Clean and unclean for what? When Yahweh says take on so many clean animals and so many unclean animals on the ark, clean and unclean for what? What is the purpose of the clean and the unclean designations? Well, let's read some more from Genesis 8, verse 20. This is right after Noah and his family got off the ark after the flood. It says, Then Noah built an altar to Yahweh. He took some of every kind of clean animal and every kind of clean bird and offered burnt offerings on the altar. 
Noah knew not to sacrifice an unclean animal to Yahweh. He knew it. And that's because his dad and granddad and great-granddad had taught him the same instructions that Yahweh taught to our father Adam in, in the garden. So Abel knew this back in Genesis 4. He knew the sacrificial laws. He offered the firstborn of his flock. And the word flock is a term that references sheep or, or goats, which are both clean animals. But let me now ask you this. Is that the only purpose for the clean and the unclean designations during the lifetime of Noah? Were the designations just for special sacrifices? Or could they have also been for consumption purposes? In other words, the clean and the unclean designations were there so that the people of Yahweh would know these are meant for food and these are not meant for food. I believe the designations were there for consumption as well. Many people believe that Animals were not part of man's diet until after the flood. I do not take that view. I believe that Abel's offering in Genesis 4 shows that meat was eaten at least from that time period all the way up to the time of Noah. And the reason I believe that is because Abel's offering was a firstborn offering. And if we know the the body of the Torah, the, the body of Yahweh's instructions, all of them, then we know that the firstborn offerings were edible offerings. They were edible sacrifices. In other words, they weren't like the burnt offering that Noah offered in Genesis 8. A burnt offering is totally consumed on the altar. The worshiper doesn't gain anything materially from a burnt offering. It would be like, it's not the same thing, but just to kind of get it in your head, it would be like if you had a $100 bill, pulled it out of your wallet, you lit it on fire. Burnt offering. Now, don't leave here and say, Brother Matthew said that's the same thing as a burnt offering. But you get my point. You don't benefit anything from it. The firstborn offering was a fellowship or a peace offering. Leviticus 3 calls it a peace or a fellowship offering. And it was an edible sacrifice. The fat portions were not eaten. The blood was poured out like water and then covered over with dirt. We talked about that in a previous sermon. But the meat could be eaten by the worshiper and also by a priest if a priest was present. Look at Deuteronomy 15, 19-20. Yahweh says, You must consecrate to Yahweh your Elohim every firstborn male produced by your herd and flock. And that's what Abel was doing back in Genesis 4, way before Deuteronomy 15 was ever written. It says, You are not to put the firstborn of your oxen to work, or shear the firstborn of your flock. Each year you and your family are to eat it before Yahweh, your Elohim, in the place Yahweh chooses. So the firstborn offering is an edible offering in the instructions of Yahweh, and we're learning that the instructions of Yahweh did not just come about at the time frame of Leviticus and Deuteronomy, but they came about way back in the beginning when Yahweh gave Adam his instructions and he passed them down to Abel and eventually they got to Noah. So I believe that man ate the meat of animals from the time period of the fall of Adam and Eve into sin all the way up to the time of Noah. Right now, I don't believe that meat was eaten before the fall into sin. And that's because I don't believe that there was any death prior to the fall in Genesis 3 for either mankind or for the animal kingdom. 
I see all creation as living in harmony. And I see the wolf and the lamb feeding together and the lion eating straw with the bullock. As the Scripture prophesies for the kingdom in a passage like Isaiah 65 verse 25, I believe that the kingdom of Yahweh, which has begun but has not been completed yet, because there's scriptures that talks about how the kingdom is now, and there's scriptures that talks about how the kingdom is later. I think the best way to understand that is it has begun at the first coming of Christ. It will come to a finality at the second coming of Christ, the final coming of Christ back to the earth. And I think what the kingdom's going to do ultimately is take us back to a paradise restored, a garden of Eden restored that will be equal or maybe even better than the original garden of Eden. And I think that Wolves and lambs will eat together vegetation. Lions will eat straws. will eat the straw and the vegetation just like an oxen will, according to the prophecies. And I think that's how it was in the Garden of Eden in Genesis chapters 1 and 2. Now some say, well, why don't we go back to a vegetarian diet like it was in Genesis 1, 29 through 30? If you read Genesis 1, 29-30, Yahweh talks about all the herbs bearing seed and the green plants. I've given you these things for food. And some people teach in the Torah movement that, well, see, that was Yahweh's first plan. And so meat was only His second plan. Meat didn't get eaten until after the flood. I don't believe that to start with, but this is what their argument. And so we need to go back and only eat veggies and fruits I have a very good friend and dear brother that believes this. One time I had a fellow come to the congregation. Let me tell you a story. He came to the congregation and he sat back there where Sister Caitlin was sitting and he came here an hour early because he said he wanted to ask me some questions. I told him it reminded me of when the Queen of Sheba came to Solomon trying to ask him hard questions. (laughs) So he told me, he said, you know, there was a prophecy by a lady... And he was talking about Ellen G. White, who was uh, looked upon as being a prophetess in the Seventh-day Adventist movement. I'm not here to talk about Ellen G. White, but this particular gentleman said that she prophesied that in the last days, which he believed that we were in, in the last days that we would have to go back to just eating the vegetables and the fruits because the meat would be contaminated. And I expressed to him, I said, you know, I said, I think that we should be cautious about even the clean animals that we eat and make sure that they come from good sources and buy local and things like that. Um, But I asked him, I said, what about the contamination that goes on with the vegetables and the fruits? Because you have just as much contamination nowadays with the vegetables and the fruits as you do with the animals. And so I think we should be cautious all across the board and not just be willy-nilly and Like some people say, well, anything you buy, don't worry about it. Just pray over it and Yahweh will take care of it. I believe Yahweh gave us a a giant brain to know not to do certain things or to eat certain things. And I think that if we eat certain things that are poisonous, you know what they're going to do? They're going to poison us. Anybody ever gotten food poisoned? Not to death, but you've gotten food poisoned before. It's not a good feeling. you know. I'm sure a lot of people have gotten food poisoning over a dinner that was prayed over. So I asked this particular gentleman, I said, you know, um, I told him that about the vegetables and the fruits. And then he said this. He said, well, I think we need to go back to the beginning in the Garden of Eden. Everything's pure. Everything's right. We go back to the vegetables and the fruits. That's how Yahweh outlined it to start with. That's what we should go back. And I asked him a question. I said, well, do you know there were other things that took place 
in the Garden of Eden. And if you think that we need to go back to the Garden of Eden because it's the pure way, then let me ask you this, brother. I said, do you believe that we should go back to the Garden of Eden's instructions or example at the end of Genesis 2 where it says Adam and his wife were naked and they were not ashamed? Because if you're going to tell me we need to go back to Eden for the way that we eat, then in Eden, Adam and Eve walked around without any clothes on and they were not ashamed. I asked him, do you think that we need to go back to that? And he looked at me and he stroked his chin and he said, brother, I don't think we're ready for that one. (laughs) And I laughed and I said, I don't either. And that's because we don't live in a pre-fall world. One day in the future, things will be different in the finality of the kingdom. But right now we live in the period where sin has entered and all creation is groaning for the manifestation of the the finality of the sons of Yahweh and the kingdom of Yahweh. And so I don't think it's a good argument to say we have to be vegetarians because of Genesis 1.29-30. So I do believe that animal meat was eaten after the fall of Adam and Eve, but only clean animal meat. As we see the clean and unclean designations in Genesis 7 verse 2, Genesis 8 verse 20. And I believe that this is the qualification for every living creature in Genesis 9 verse 3. Yahweh doesn't have to repeat every living clean creature because it was already understood from 7-2 and from 8-20. And look at this as well. In Genesis 9-3, Yahweh tells Noah, Every living creature will be food for you as I gave you the green plants. I have given you everything as I gave you the green plants. Poison oak is a plant, y'all. It's a green plant. Remember back to lesson one. Do you think that Yahweh gave every green plant unqualified for man to eat? Are you going to try poison oak stew? Because Brother Matthew isn't. I'm certain that Adam was told by Yahweh the details about certain plants, just like he gave him other instructions. What they were for and which ones were edible. As I said in part one of this series, just because you can put something in your mouth and chew it and swallow it does not mean that Yahweh created it for food. Nobody try to eat no no poison oak. Don't nobody ever try to do that. Some people use this verse you know, to try to justify smoking marijuana. And I don't want to talk about that right now. But suffice it to say, every green plant has qualifications. And just because something is green and it's a plant doesn't mean that you're supposed to eat it <laughs> or smoke it. I'm not rolling up no poison ivy or poison oak and smoking it and puffing on it. So... What do we do, though, as I close? What do we do with Genesis 9, 1 through 4, which looks like, it looks like on the surface that Yahweh is just now telling Noah that he can eat animal meat. Noah gets off the boat and Yahweh says, the fear and the terror of you will be in every living creature and every living creature will be food for you. Why did Yahweh tell Noah this if mankind was already eating animal meat before the flood? Why does he tell him this now in Genesis 9, 1 through 4? Now, I want you to consider, this is what I believe. This is why I believe Yahweh said this. Consider Genesis 6, 20 through 21. Yahweh says, Two of everything, from the birds according to their kinds, from the livestock according to their kinds, and from every animal that crawls on the ground according to its kind, will come to you, so that you can keep them alive. He's talking to Noah about putting the animals on the, on the boat, on the ark. 
Then he says this in Genesis 6, 21. Take with you every kind of food that is eaten. Gather it as food for you and for them. What is he talking about? He's talking about vegetation. For Noah and his family and for the animals. And I think what Yahweh did, I think Yahweh put a ban on eating animals while they were on the ark. And if you read Genesis 7 and 8, you'll see that Noah and his family, they were actually on the ark for over a year. They weren't just on the ark for 40 days and 40 nights. That's as long as it rained. But read it and you'll see they were on the boat for over a year. And I think what Yahweh did was put a temporary ban on eating the animals while they were on the ark. He gives them a commandment to eat the the fruits and the veggies, the vegetation, not just Noah and his family, the eight souls, but also the animals. And then after they left the ark, the ban was lifted. The ban was only there due to the circumstance of the flood. So I think that's why in Genesis 9 he says, now the fear and the terror of you is going to be over the animal kingdom because you're going back to, to hunting like the deer. You're going back to slaughtering like the cow or the goat or the sheep. Whereas Abel did it before and it was done in, in you know uh, previous to Genesis chapter 9. So there's a lot more to Genesis 9 verse 3 than meets the eye. And hopefully I've taught you enough in this lesson that if somebody comes to you and says, well, well what about Noah? See, you, know, you don't understand. I know you don't eat certain things, but Noah was allowed to eat everything because in Genesis 9 verse 3, Yahweh said every living creature. Hopefully now you can take this as a base. You can go back and do your own study and you can tell them, well, how much time do you have? Let's have a Bible study. I found out over the years that when somebody asks me a question, they usually want a real quick answer, like a Facebook answer, right? Twitter answer. 280 characters. It used to be 140 characters. I can't talk theology in 140 characters. I can barely do it in 280 characters. I usually tell people, well, how much time do you have? Do you want to understand this? Let's sit down and have a Bible study. Oh, i got, I got a lot to do right now. I don't have a whole lot of time to do that. See, we've got to be interested in studying the Word of Yahweh. We've got to take time out to study to study what Yahweh has instructed us. And so you'll find out real quick who is genuinely interested when you start talking about wanting to have a Bible study. Well, come on. We'll, have, we'll come over for a couple hours. We'll eat dinner and we'll talk about Genesis 9 verse 3. Hopefully you'll be able to give an answer to these questions that people ask you. And what I've shown you in this lesson doesn't contradict the commandments of Yahweh in Leviticus 11 and Deuteronomy 14. So hopefully it's blessed you. Next week as, as we uh, stand and close in a word of prayer, next week we'll look at Mark chapter 7 where some people believe that Yeshua declared all animals clean for food purposes. We'll talk about that next week. So hopefully uh, the children all got the color sheets and the cookies. If you didn't, there's more up here at the front. And let's close out in a word of prayer and we'll be back here next week to do this all over again. Thank you all for coming. May Yahweh bless you and keep you. Make His face to shine upon you. Be gracious to you. Lift up His countenance upon you. And bring you peace. Yahweh Father, I love you and I thank you. Thank you for the Sabbath day. Thank You for a desire to keep Your commandments. Help us to be like Yeshua in all that we say and all that we do. Forgive us when we fall. Pick us back up again, Yahweh. Thank You for the book of Genesis. And thank You for a good understanding. Which through Your Son I pray. Amen. Amen. Yahweh bless you.